0: Think about your brain as a kind of super processor, constantly running parallel operations at very high speed. Now, what if you're multilingual?
1: In people who speak multiple languages, there is a lot more interactivity and activation happening all the time.
0: It's Thursday, December 7th, but you don't have to wait until tomorrow because today is Science Friday. I'm John Dankosky. Dr. Viorica Marion is a professor of communication sciences and disorders at Northwestern University. And she's author of The Power of Language, How the Codes We Use to Think, Speak, and Live Transform Our Minds. Here she is talking with Ira Flato on stage in Chicago. It was part of an event at the Studebaker Theater presented with WBEZ and MindWorks. Let's listen in.
2: Dr. Marion, let's talk about multiple languages did you get interested in that because you are multilingual? How did you how did you get interested in studying this?
1: That was certainly part of it. So, I grew up in Eastern Europe. We spoke Romanian at home with my family, and then outside the home, Russian was the official language everywhere on the territory of the former Soviet Union. And then I studied English in school and then French in college. And this is actually very uh, typical for many people in Europe and not just in Europe. Uh, in fact, the majority of the world population, more than half of the world's population, is bilingual or multilingual. It is very common for people all over the world, on every continent, to grow up with two or more languages from early childhood and then learn additional languages later in life. But then, when I would go to a library or a bookstore or in my coursework in college, most research, most science that I read um, centered on people who only spoke one language. So it very early became clear to me that by leaving out this huge segment of the population, we are getting not only an incomplete, but also an inaccurate understanding of how language works, how the mind works, of uh, human nature and humanity's potential more broadly. This is, a, this is what brought me to studying the interaction between language and mind with a particular focus on people who speak multiple languages.
2: And, and here in the United States, we speak mostly one language. So we're in the minority of countries in the world because we're just speaking one language.
1: That's true, but the numbers, the demographics are changing. Uh, A little over one-fifth of American households speak a language other than English at home, and the proportion of people who are studying another language, especially now with all the apps that are available, um, is increasing.
2: Let's look look on the statistics of people who speak more than one language. How is your brain processing language differently? from people who speak only one language, uh, are are you constantly switching back and forth between languages?
1: Oh, that's a really good question because we used to think that we're switching back and forth between the two languages. In fact, people would think that when you use a language, you turn it on, you are done with it, you switch it off, switch the other one on, and switch between the two languages. But now we know that that's not the case, that people who know two or more languages keep all of them active in their mind to some extent. And we see an image here. So, for example, if you speak English and you read just three letters, P-O-T, your mind immediately activates multiple meanings of this uh, word. Perhaps it's the utensil you cook with or uh, a pot that you plant uh, or some of bits or maybe some other plants you've had familiarity with. Um, (laughs) But if you speak Russian, that's how you spell the word mouth and that's also how you pronounce uh, the word sweat. And then if you speak Romanian, that's how you say I can or we can. So in English, you activate the meaning, this four meanings, for example, perhaps more, and then from there, other related uh, word forms and word meanings are activated. But if you speak two or three languages, this activation spreads across multiple languages simultaneously, so you can think about it if you were to throw a pebble in the water, you see this uh, waves around. Um, the further out you go, the the bigger the circle becomes, and the closer to the pebble you are, the stronger the activation. So, in people who speak two or more languages, all these languages are being activated.
2: So it's, we're we're thinking in parallel. It's like parallel processing.
1: That's right. Our brain is this parallel processing superorganism that processes information in parallel at all times. So in people who speak multiple languages, there is a lot more interactivity and activation happening all the time.
2: That is cool. That is really cool. I know you developed this clever way of determining if a bilingual or multilinguals are processing two languages at once using an eye-tracking device.
1: Yes, so we use uh, multiple methods in the lab. We use eye tracking, EEG, fMRI. But with eye tracking specifically, we track people's eye movements as they perform different tasks. So you may be sitting in front of a desk and you may be asked to pick up a marker, for example. If you speak English and we ask you to pick up a marker, you will also make eye movements to marbles because marker and marble sound similar. So this shows us that in your mind, both words are being processed and co-activated. But if you speak Russian, in addition to marbles, you will actually make eye movements to a stamp, because the Russian word for stamp is marka. That's exactly what we do. We have people wear this eye cap, uh, this eye tracker on a cap, and we record their eye movements as they do all sorts of tasks. And by measuring their eye movements, we make inferences about their mental processes.
2: There's this very sort of seductive idea that... uh, Multiple languages allows you to see the world in a different perspective. Is is that true, or?
1: Yeah. So there is some uh, some evidence for that. We we think that there is this objective reality that we live in, but in essence, the reality that I live in is different from the reality that you live in or others live in because our perception of reality is is shaped by our previous experiences. And language, linguistic experience is one of those experiences that shapes how we perceive the world. So I'll give you an example, the rainbow. We all think, if we speak English, that it has this set number of colors. But in reality, the rainbow doesn't have this specific colors that we all draw when we are children. There is an infinite number of colors, the entire color spectrum that's present in the rainbow, each color sort of switching one pixel at a time into another color. So there's an infinite number of colors, but the languages that we speak impose this boundaries, this color boundaries on how we think about the rainbow. And people who have Other words for color in languages where there are more or fewer languages for colors, think about the rainbow differently.
2: And not only that, but I noticed in in trying to learn other languages, inanimate objects have different genders to them. Some are male, some are female. Does that also influence?
1: Oh, that's a good question, too. So for those who only speak English, in English, all inanimate objects are referred to as it. But in many other languages, an inanimate object object, like a cup or a bottle is referred to as either she or he. Um, And it sounds like a strange thing, but speakers of Romance languages, French, Spanish, Italian, uh, Portuguese, Romanian, for example, they very easily from an early age just learn what's a he and what's a she. And other languages may have more, like Russian has an it, neuter gender, and it turns out that Grammatical gender influences how influences how people f- represent mentally those objects. So, in, in an experiment done by an experiments done by Lara Boroditsky at um, Stanford and then UC, UC San Diego, she asked Spanish uh, German bilinguals to just people who spoke Spanish and people who spoke German to describe bridges or keys, and depending on the grammatical gender of the object and the language that you spoke, you describe them very differently. So if key was masculine in your native language, you tended to describe it as jagged and metal and sturdy and useful. And then if it was feminine, you tended to describe it as delicate, uh, small, uh, just, just really mentally representing things differently.
2: You write in your book that in uh, older adults, being multilingual actually delays Alzheimer's for is there evidence? There's evidence for that. I mean, and you're saying four to six years.
1: Yes, this is one of the most um, exciting findings, I think, uh, with real-world implications that comes from studying people who speak two or more languages. It turns out that constantly using two or more languages offers protective um, has, has has this protective advantage against some of the cognitive declines that often accompany aging and that always accompany dementia. So if you speak two or more languages, you uh, are likely to Uh, show symptoms of dementia four to six years later than people who speak only one language, you have formed these connections between words, meanings, memories, life experiences that allow you to compensate functionally for the anatomical deterioration that your brain experiences. So for those of you who are past school age, it's never too late, and it might actually be fun uh, to learn another language.
2: All right. Speaking of fun, I have some of your questions here. And let's see uh, what... Okay, here's... Ago writes, I realize when I speak English I am more proactive than when I speak Japanese. When my wife speaks Spanish she is more social and chatty than when she speaks in English. Now, yeah. Tell me about
1: that. Uh, that's consistent with what people are finding in research studies. As was saying before, the language that we speak brings to the forefront disf- different aspects of our personalities and different cultural norms. So uh, what is appropriate in the Japanese culture versus what's appropriate uh, in the American culture is going to be activated and influenced by the language as we speak. One of my colleagues, who is a Japanese English bilingual as well, says that she actually bows when she speaks on the phone, when she speaks in Japanese, for versus when she speaks in English because her language just activates the social norm. So the experiences that this person is describing are consistent with findings on personality tests. In fact, bilinguals score differently depending on the language they're taking them in.
2: Let's go to Jeff S. Does Jeff want to take a chance and ask a question? Which is a good one.
1: Hi. I, I had a question about uh, unspoken languages like computer languages if someone is fluent uh, in other languages that they don't speak, could you also get some of the same benefits of uh, bilingualism or multilingualism,
2: for example, stalling uh, dementia onset? Could you, learning computer languages.
1: Yeah, so we, it it seems that you can see some of the executive function consequences with, uh, with artificial languages. We don't know yet about dementia and Alzheimer's, but executive function differences, yes. So, um... Other symbolic systems that rely on math, like computer languages, do also change the way our brain works.
2: Why do kids pick up multiple languages so much faster than adults?
1: Yeah, so when we are born, we can hear these and and distinguish between the sounds of all of the world's languages. Just like with the rainbow, remember I was saying there's an infinite number of colors. There is an infinite number of sounds that... We could perceive when we are first born. We are sort of citizens of the world. But by our first birthday, we our brains get tuned in to the sounds of our own language, and we become citizens of one country or one language, or perhaps more than one language. In people who speak who, in babies who are exposed to more than one language, this uh, perceptual window is open for a little bit longer. There are multiple reasons why uh, children uh, learn languages easier. There is um, a constant linguistic input for them. They, uh, their brains are also still develop- developing, they are much more plastic. So um, it's not just language. There are other things that our brains just pick up easier when they are younger and plastic, but we actually now know that it's you can learn another language and you can learn it to fluency at any age we used to think that there is this critical age period after which you cannot learn another language to fluency that's actually not the case so your brain can learn another language at any age and it may be more difficult because you are learning you're doing so many more things in your daily life you're not just Having care, I mean, if, if you lived the life of a child and someone took care of you and spoke with you and
2: in this, um,
1: hi, baby, contour speech, you would learn differently than if you were thinking about a million other things that you have on your mind.
2: Last question from Rebecca. How does multilingualism support the brain's capacity to form emotion concepts and express emotions? Is there a connection? Is there, does it influence it?
1: Yeah, so this goes back to how much of our thought and emotion and our life experiences are tied to language, Uh, and quite a bit, actually. So um, that's why when you are in therapy or when you're growing up, you're often told to, you know, label your emotion. Sometimes labeling your emotion helps you process it. Um, So... There are... Languages vary in the kind of words that they have for emotion. So people express emotion and and report feeling differently depending on the labels that they have for emotion. So yes, emotions emotions are tied to language and can help us um, process our experiences different. By labeling them, we we understand, or we process our feelings differently. Like I mentioned before, there is now research uh, on uh, psychotherapy with bilinguals, also showing that you can distance yourself from feelings by switching to a different language w- than the language in which a traumatic experience happened, or you can um, you can experience closeness differently in your interpersonal relationships. Um, People report feeling differently when they're being told I love you in their native language versus in their non-native language. So language has this very powerful effect in how we connect with others. Um, if we spoke a a language with our family, we uh, may associate it with warmth or the opposite. It depends on the kind of experiences we've had. Yeah.
2: That's terrific. Villarica, we've run out of time. Thank you for taking time to be with us today. Dr. Vierica Marianne, Professor of Communication Sciences and Disorders and Psychology at Northwestern University and Director of the Bilingualism and Psycholinguistics Research Group based in Evanston, Illinois. Thank you for, for coming down.
0: That's it for today's show. If you're interested in our live events, you can find out more at sciencefriday.com events. Maybe we'll see you in person soon. Coming up on our next show, we're going to wrap up this week's science news with Rachel Feldman from Popular Science. I'm John Dankosky. We'll talk to you soon.